now playing Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs from 1937. Disney Movies, the new podcast that is destroying your childhood one movie at a time. I am Nick, your tour guide, and I am here today to talk about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. In particular, we will be talking about the 1937 original Walt Disney feature-length animated movie. It is loosely based on Snow White by the Brothers Grimm, and it is the first of many movies that you will see as we are going forward that are from the public domain. Walt Disney has done amazing things. The man and the company have done amazing things with stories that were just out there in the public domain that cost nothing to to adapt to whatever you want them to be. And this is the first example. A little background on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs for you. First things first, the movie came out in December of 1937. I'm recording this in June of 2015. This is a movie that is 78 years old. And if you were to put that movie on right now in DVD or Blu-ray format, you would see a movie that has been restored and looks beautiful in spite of its age. Production on Snow White began three years earlier in 1934. 1934. This is a movie that goes back to 81 years from when I am recording this. And again, I can't stress it enough. It really does look beautiful for when it was made. Certainly it looks old. It doesn't look nearly as good as what we do with computers nowadays. But for what it was and when it was, it really is something to behold. The Seven Dwarfs, the titular Seven Dwarfs, were first given names in a 1912 stage production. In the Brothers Grimm version, they were unnamed. They are not the names that we have come to know and love, though. The first given names were Blick, Flick, Glick, Snick, Plick, Wick, and Quee. I guess Quee was the equivalent of Dopey? I don't, I don't know. Of course, the Disney version is Seven Dwarfs as well, because that's the title. It would make sense. Those, of course, would be Doc, Grumpy, Happy, Sleepy, Sneezy, Bashful, and Dopey. A little more on the background here. Walt Disney had to mortgage his house to get this movie made. This was seen as the biggest mistake he could make when he was doing it. A fool's errand. I think outside of himself, nobody really had faith that this would be a good idea. That this could be something that works. And that this could be something that people are interested in. But people were and still are interested. Between the original 1937 release of this movie... And the eight, that's right, eight subsequent re-releases that have happened over the course of the last 78 years, the movie has grossed over $416 million. It was nominated for Best Musical Score at the 1938 Academy Awards, the 10th Annual Ceremony. It did not win, though. 
it lost to 100 Men and a Girl, a movie that was partially scored by Leopold Stokowski. Leopold later appears as himself, the symphony composer of the Philadelphia Orchestra in Fantasia. Walt Disney himself received an honorary Academy Award. In fact, he received eight of them in the 1939 Academy Awards, or the 1938 Awards celebrated in 1939, if we're being specific. Walt Disney received one regular statuette and seven miniature statuettes. Snow White was so successful for Disney that the profits of it led him into not only building his studio, but it helped him to get Pinocchio and Fantasia finished, and it put several other movies in pre-production, animated movies. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is considered by the American Film Institute as the top animated film of all time, and it is considered the 34th greatest American film as of the 2007 Top 100. Congress also saw fit to include this movie in the National Film Registry. It was inducted in 1989, and it is one of only six feature-length animated films that are in the National Film Registry. Now that we've gotten a little bit of our history lesson, let me take off these nerd glasses and get into the 60-second synopsis. And again, if I can keep it to 60, I will, but these things might run long. Snow White, it is told to us that her mother has passed away and her father has remarried whom we come to know as the Wicked Queen. Her father then also dies and she is left to the Wicked Queen. She is dressed in rags and forced into servitude as a maid. She dreams that someday her prince will come, such as she sings. But when he does show up, she runs off, given how she is dressed. The Wicked Queen hires a huntsman to kill Snow White, because she is the fairest of them all, according to the Magic Mirror. She requires that the huntsman return her heart as proof. The huntsman tracks down Snow White, but he just can't do it. He tells her to run away instead. The huntsman, in letting her go, slaughters a pig, takes the heart of the pig, and presents it to the Wicked Queen, claiming it's Snow White's. Snow White eventually finds her way through the woods, gets very scared, finds her way to a house. After spending some time there, she falls asleep on what she believes are children's beds. However, as we all know, those are the seven dwarfs who sing a song about mining. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. I can't, I cannot whistle. The seven dwarfs come home to find Snow White asleep, and after a little bit of an odd introduction, where she realizes they're not children but little men, she cooks them a dinner, which kills a lot of time, because the seven dwarfs spend a lot of time cleaning up, singing and dancing, and just having a general merry old time. Meanwhile, back at the castle, the magic mirror tells the wicked queen that Snow White is still alive, and the heart, the heart that the huntsman gave her belonged to a pig. The Wicked Queen disguises herself as an old crow and eventually gives Snow White a poison apple full of sleeping death. Love's first kiss, however, is listed in her book as the only antidote. The seven dwarfs are alerted by the animals of the forest that Snow White has befriended, that nefarious things are happening back at the cottage. They rush home, but it's too late. Snow White eats the apple and dies. The dwarfs do return and chase the Wicked Queen away, and in trying to beat the seven dwarfs with a rock, lightning strikes the cliff she's on. She falls to her death, and the rock falls atop her. The seven dwarfs mourn and mourn and mourn, building her a coffin, until one day her prince does come. He kisses her, 
and they leave together happily ever after without the dwarves. So, what's wrong with what we've just discussed? And maybe watched. I know I've watched it more times than I care to admit. For starters, this movie sets the standard for what Disney princesses get known for for a very long time. The princess, she's in distress. There's an evil female catalyst, in this case the Wicked Queen, and only a man, and not just a man, normally a prince, can save the princess. That is a very hard message to swallow 78 years later. It was probably a very hard message to swallow 40 years later. I, for one, was born in 1980, so I can't really attest to that. Also, can we discuss the Wicked Queen? Why is she so jealous? So vain and jealous? She's the queen, and couldn't she just lock up Snow White? When she's making this apple, this sleeping death-filled apple, she steps over the bones of a corpse during the poison apple scene, which shows me not only does she have a means to keep prisoners, she has means by which to eliminate people, because who knows how long that skeleton was there. The plot of Snow White relies very heavily on the kindness of strangers, which isn't just a Tennessee Williams thing, apparently. Who is the huntsman to Snow White? And who is Snow White to the huntsman? He can't bring himself to kill her, but why? Their relationship is never really explained. Maybe it's because the huntsman knows she's a princess, but in not killing her, he's betraying his queen. And why? Why would he explain to Snow White that the queen wants her dead? The huntsman's decisions make absolutely no sense. Later on in the movie, Snow White finds her way to the cottage. There's a whole big to-do about whether or not there's an intruder in the dwarf's house. They find Snow White, and they introduce one another. And then, just like that, the dwarfs fall in line. For no reason. These are seven men who mine for gold and diamonds, and they live on their own. And they live a messy life. They are living a messy bachelor's life. Snow White shows up and, in a very domesticated way, cleans everything up and cooks them a dinner. And they just fall in line. But why? These men didn't need her. But because she says she's a princess, they're just going to do whatever she says? Grumpy, in particular, is the one person of the seven who puts up an argument, puts up a fight, because he doesn't like to be told what to do. And I realize he's being played for comic relief, but he also is racing a very good point. These dwarves lived just fine without Snow White, and as she abandons them, they're hopefully going to live just fine without her. At any rate, it is never, ever adequately explained how Snow White's prince finds her when she is dead. He just shows up. The story just tells us, in writing on paper, that the dwarves were mourning Snow White. They built her a glass coffin, and they hoped one day she would be cured of what had killed her. Not really sure how that works either, but let's just suspend disbelief for a moment. The prince shows up. No idea how. Nothing is ever relayed. Did, did the animals that come to get the dwarves send out a missive to the castle, wherever this prince lived? I don't know. Not explained. And Snow White. Snow White, who shows up at this house, who is kept safe, 
who was kept alive, for the most part, by these dwarves. Basically, she says, Hey, guys, thanks for keeping vigil while I was dead. Bye! Gets on the horse, and the prince walks her and the horse off into the the horizon. Trying to think of the right word there. The horizon with the castle in the background, and it's big and bright and beautiful. But why must the dwarf stay behind? I mean, maybe I'm just a nice guy. But I'd like to think that if I had saved the princess's life, I might be invited to the castle where she lives. Maybe not to live. I'd like to think that maybe the prince wouldn't just show up, give you a kiss, and you just flat leave me. The nerve. The utter nerve. Okay, so those are some of the many things wrong with Snow White. But here's my honest opinion about it. As I've already said once before, it is amazing considering this work was conceived in 1934 and released in 1937. The story does have a lot of filler in it, but as it is the first feature-length animated movie ever made, you have to sort of forgive the faults of that. You have to let it happen. Between the dwarfs investigating the house when they get home, and then the singing and dancing scenes that happen after the long scene of them washing their faces and hands and getting grumpy to do the same... And then the dwarves take a very long time to get home from the mines, even with the help of the animals that came to get them. It just fills up the time, and I think you could have cut a little bit of it down. It would have been a little bit easier on the animator, certainly, and I don't think you take away anything from the story. Snow White also has many timeless moments, such as the aforementioned, Someday my prince will come, I will try not to sing it again, and I will try not to whistle hi-ho, but we all know that, and whistle while you work. That's another classic that is still in the lexicon, as far as I'm concerned. And a lot of the comedy, a lot of the comedy with the Seven Dwarfs works very well. Grumpy and Dopey, in particular, are the two funniest that we deal with. Because you're dealing with Grumpy, who does not want to kowtow to anybody, especially a woman. And Dopey, who can't even speak. Or maybe he can, he just never tried. Which is what they say, anyhow. Dopey is... The comic of all comic relief, walking into doors, making funny faces, trying to steal kisses from Snow White. And I could tell you from the point of view of my four-year-old girl, she sees Dopey and she'll talk about Dopey constantly. It could be a week after seeing Snow White and she'll come up to me and say, you remember when Dopey walked into the door? That was funny. So again, Walt Disney did something very right. I don't remember Snow White from childhood. I know I've seen it as a child, but I don't really recall it. It didn't really resonate much for me as a child. But in having seen it multiple times as an adult, if I were to give it a rating, I would give it a 7 out of 10, 3.5 out of 5 stars, if you prefer it that way. It's good. It holds up well enough, but the plot's a little too ridiculous, and it's a little long in the tooth, even though it's not that long a movie. Well, that's about it for me. I hope this has been a good experience for you. I've enjoyed it. And I will be back soon with our next movie, which will be Pinocchio, based on the adventures of Pinocchio by the Italian author Carlo Collodi. Until then, I hope someday your prince or princess will come. This has been your tour guide, Nick, signing off for the first official episode of Fault Disney Movies. Thank you for listening, and have yourself a good night, or day, or whenever you're listening to this.
Thank you.